proud bisexual astrology influencer. Bye, bye, bye? Question mark? <laughs> It is hot by summer. Hello, and welcome to Hot by Summer, the podcast that's your one-stop shop for everything bi with your host, Charmy. That's me. Everything from bi news, bi TV shows and films, bi awakenings, and so much more. So let's get into it. I'm so excited about today's guest. Today we have on a Capricorn goddess, a Capricorn royalty. Um, This person has really helped me through so much of my queer journey, just like seeing Skylar just blossom into this incredible, incredible being online has just been such a a joy, a pleasure, I mean, an honor. It's just been incredible. So we have this incredible Capricorn on, which I'm so excited for us to get into. But, you know, you already know what it is. You already know what it is. We have to do a little bit of housekeeping. And you know, you know I love a good housekeeping. Like my stellium, my my uh, Scorpio stellium is in the sixth house. So anytime somebody's like, okay, let's get to the bullet points, I'm like, Yummy, yummy, yummy. Um, so let's get to the let's get to the housekeeping. Um, this week uh, we have a guest, which is incredible. Um, but also, I we need to talk about Megan. We need to talk about Megan, and I'm sorry, but like we need to talk about Megan. There's so much of the weeds that we could get into, right? There's so much of the Tory Lane stuff. There's so much of the Drake stuff. There's so much of the stuff, 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 stuff on the internet. Bottom line is black women deserve to be heard, period. Black women deserve to be seen, period. Black women deserve for our stories to be validated. We shouldn't have to scream from the mother freaking rooftops over and over again about abuse until people decide to believe us. It's absurd and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that we live in a world where black women are not believed from the beginning. And I'm just so disappointed in the way that specifically black men do not stand up for black women. What is that? What is that? Like, are you trying to be white? Are you, do you want to be Elon Musk? Cause you're never going to be Elon Musk. I promise you, babe, you're never going to be Elon Musk. You're never going to own Twitter. You're never going to have a Tesla. Like, why are you trying so hard to discredit black women? I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I, I truly don't. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me in 2022 out here just invalidating people in their stories. It's weird. It's weird and it's strange and it's bizarre. And there's no necessary, necessarily there's no like petition or anything because you already know I'm not sitting here just talking around stuff. But I think in my show notes, what I'll do is I'm going to list a bunch of organizations to donate to that are headed up by women of color. Because not we don't get enough support. Black owned businesses do not get enough support. Black women run businesses and black women run organizations do not get enough support. So that's what we're going to do in the show notes this week. Because a mother freaking male Scorpio decided to just bring up some crazy stuff. I just, I don't get it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to Twitter and look up Drake, Megan Thee Stallion, or go to Google. It's exhausting and it's embarrassing. Um, so yeah, so we have that. Also, I'm never, ever, ever going to stop speaking up about Brittany Griner. That's never like, going away. Um, I don't have very many updates. A lot of people don't have very many updates. Um, and she spent her birthday in prison. Um, she spent Halloween weekend in prison. She spent so much time in prison. And so, uh, I will be listing the organization that you can sign a petition to help BG come home because this is another thing that is a stain. It's so embarrassing that the president has, the president has not pardoned this. Um, so with that information, with that little housekeeping, 
a juicy housekeeping segment. Uh, we're going to get into this incredible, glorious, juicy, beautiful interview. Um, I'm so excited to introduce Skylar to Hot by Summer. And um, yeah, I think we should just get into it. So let's get into it, shall we? Hello. Well, we're here. We're already talking about astrology, so I love this, but we're here. Welcome to Hot by Summer. I am so excited about Skylar being on today. I mean, I feel like you've been a part of so many queer journeys on the internet. Um, but yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. I want a sun, moon rising if you have your Mercury and Venus so people know what we're really working with. Uh, yeah, let's get started with that. Okay, so I am a Capricorn sun, Pisces moon, Cancer rising, and she has a Sagittarius stellium, uh, Mercury, Ooh. Mars, and Venus all in Sag. So it, it's a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's so a lot of, like combative energies. I don't know. Thank God for my Sagittarius placements to like bring some levity to my big three. <laughs> Yeah, but I also feel like, yes, it's like very – I guess I would say the big three is like slightly sad girl energy, but it's like ethereal and then it's also like you're you're like a, a student of the world, truly. Like with the Sag Stellium, you like want to, to really like be a understand. sponge to the world. Yeah, Definitely. and I think that yeah. there's something really powerful about wanting to understand other people and other walks of life and – to have that in this lifetime, I think, is really rare. Um, mm. And I just think that's so cool. I think it's Yeah, iconic. no, I, I agree with that. I think that um, also my Saturn is in Aquarius. Um, so we're going to talk about Saturn returns. Um, and definitely the more that I studied my birth chart, I'm like, no, you definitely came into this life to fuck shit up and challenge yes. power structures and question things and push people yes. forward. Because the yes. status quo is not working. I was like, okay, that's what we're doing this time. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that you, because you're a Capricorn, you're like, okay, well, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is going to make y'all uncomfortable, but I don't care. Like, be uncomfortable. You can only grow in that in uncomfort. Like, that's the only way that you can truly grow. And I think right. that's amazing. I think that's amazing. And I think people, you know, like you and I that have gone through, like, religious trauma or other, yeah. you know, kinds of trauma, it does kind of foster that, like, nothing matters. I don't give a fuck. Like, I have been yes. through it. So y'all can, like, sit with some discomfort. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I yeah. love that so much. I love that so much that we've we've come to this place in ourselves where we're just like, no, like, w uh, being uncomfortable is, is good. And it's important. And we all need to be uncomfortable. Definitely. We all need to grow. And I just, I love that so much. You spoke a yeah. little bit about your Saturn return. So how does mm -hmm. it feel now that you're past your Saturn return? I think you're past <gasps> yours because I think we had our Saturn return yeah. at the same exact time. Yes. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. mine was around 28. Um, and I yep. just turned 30 this past year. Um, okay. it was rough, but like amazing. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people describe it that way. It really was like, I don't want to say a rebirth. It was like a birth. Yeah. Um, I really, um, consider like two stages of adulthood. Um, I think, like biologically and physically, most of us are, you know, fully developed um, adults around 24, 25. The frontal lobe is fully developed. The brain is pretty much done cooking. Um, but, you know, my favorite astrologer, and I do agree, I feel like we are children still until our Saturn return. Like I very much was still living for my parents and, oh my God, let me turn off my music. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> um, my parents, I was living for external validation. I was living for everybody and everything except for myself. And my Saturn return came and really literally felt like I was smacked upside the head and was like, Okay, so this is not working. You know that this is not working. So are we going to keep going or are we going to make some fucking changes? And I was yep. just like, oh, like clinging to those past patterns, but knowing that I needed to let them go. So it was really this kind of like bittersweet, you know, like that was comfortable. It yeah. was uncomfortable. I didn't like it, but it was comfortable because it was familiar. 
Um, mm. So it's just that moment of like trusting the universe and being like, the universe is like, I got you. Like, just let yeah. go and let it fucking happen. And, yeah. you know, I was in school. I was at UC Santa Barbara. I had just busted my ass for like four fucking years to, um, you know, get to this point. I was going to be a therapist or something in the mental health field. And um, it really felt like the universe was like, you have been like a therapist and a healer, very Cancerian energy your whole life. And it's time to shift into that like Capricorn daddy wow. boss energy. And I'm like, I'm scared. <laughs> like, Yeah. But I knew I'm like, this is this is what I need to start doing. And it's uncomfortable, but it also feels like so right. So it's a lot of different um feelings and emotions. But um, my Instagram and well, I hadn't started my business, but my Instagram really started taking off during my Saturn return, like while I was in school. So I was kind of like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Like I'm getting all these mixed messages. Yes, I love school. But um, I also was realizing that, you know, that academic external validation wasn't hitting like it used to. (laughs) And Mm, I'm like, that's real. "Mm." Okay. So yeah, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And the Instagram was taking off. That's when I started doing like the pulp covers that I'm doing now. And so that started really, I I was abandoning my schoolwork to focus on that. And wow. I mean, I was, I was still doing okay. I was passing my classes, but I was not passionate about it at all. I was doing pretty much the bare minimum, which was really like weird for me as a Capricorn. Yeah. Um, but I was channeling all that energy into like learning Photoshop, um, you know, honing my craft um, and yeah, putting all that into my Instagram. And um, I don't know, I hate saying like building my brand, but I guess that's what I was doing. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was pretty wild. And then we're just here now. And it feels really so fucking liberating. I say every day I give like like less and less fucks about what other people think and just am living for myself for the first time. And it feels so freeing. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you know what's so wild? As you were speaking, I was like, wow, like it's so wild to think about the fact that there are people that are given the decision to really grow and change and really just use the universe as this trajectory to really spark that fire for their passion. And there are people that stay comfortable. And isn't it so beautiful as a queer person to really be like, no, I'm going to jump off and and do do what really feeds my soul because why not? And the fact that during our Saturn return, we're given that choice, right? The universe is like, okay, you can stay comfortable if you want to, or you cannot. And the fact that you chose the hardest path and you're so liberated and free because of it, like that's powerful. That's so freaking powerful. It is. And I think about like, I think about the fact, like how close I was to doubting that um, inner voice and yeah. going down that path and I would have gone into academia or I would have, you know, ended up going to grad school and becoming a therapist. And I think I could, I, I'm a Capricorn. I will succeed in whatever area yes. I choose to be in. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I think that that's like a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? Just because you're good at something does not mean you have to do it. That was yeah. a big lesson that I definitely learned in my Saturn return. Like you're going to be good at a lot of things, but that doesn't mean like that's your calling. You know what I mean? And I wasn't good at, you know, Photoshop and like doing what I'm doing now. I wasn't. And that, that is like a lesson for me. You know, I am so fixated on this idea of perfection and um, being good at things. And I, you know, I just was like, if I'm not good at something the first time, like it must, I just must not be, um, meant to do it, which is <laughs> so ridiculous. Yes, yes it is. Capricorn. So um, I'm so glad that I pushed myself and was like, no, I can learn this. I can get good at this. Like how many times have I picked up a new skill and gotten good at it? I can do this again. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really happy. And it brought me so much joy, like teaching myself Photoshop and watching myself progress. And yeah, so it's, it's just been really, really nourishing. Um, 
And it's just become my passion. Like I just, anytime I'm bored, I'm like, okay, let's watch a Photoshop tutorial and just like I love that. Oh, I love that so much. I have a, um, I have a Scorpio stellium in the sixth house. So like anybody that's like, I'm working really hard to pursue my dreams or I'm working, like doing the work, not just like fantasizing Mm -hmm. about the work, not just like romanticizing, like, oh, maybe one day. No, people that are literally in their bedroom every single day working on their skill, I'm like, oh, yes, that's everything. I respect it so hard. Um, I feel like in our culture, we talk a lot about, you know, like getting to our dreams, like this American dream, which is like capitalism. It's all these things. And we romanticize it. But not a lot of people talk about consistency. And I feel like Capricorns have really mastered that in this lifetime. This idea of like, no, little steps every single day will lead to something. And I just think that's so beautiful. I love that so much. I love that you said that. I I do think that that's true, but I think that there's like a toxic side of that that I'm really trying to unlearn, which is that everything has to be hard work. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if you watch Shit's Creek, but I kind of relate. Yep. Like my my Capricorn son is David and my yeah. like Sag, Sag Stellium is Alexis. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very much like, no, like there needs to be a plan and it has to take a long time and I have to do all of this work. And Alexis is like, or you could just like do it or like yeah. ask other people for help. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Just, like showing weakness, showing vulnerability, like looking stupid, like I don't know what I'm doing. Absolutely not. I will take the fucking time. If it takes me weeks, if it takes me months, I will do it by myself. And so, you know, there, there's, there's a balance. There's a balance. There is. You know? We all need a little bit of of Alexis and David in us. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that reference. So, so hard. (laughs) So, so hard. I love that show. Um, So we're going to back up a little bit because I – like from the beginning. So I remember finding your account. I feel like it was like the universe kind of like dropped. Yeah. Early, early days. And so I found your account. Like really, it felt like the universe just dropped your account. I didn't even know how I found it. I probably, I, honestly, I found it probably because I like made a finsta because I didn't want people to know that I was queer, and so I like had this like oh sort of fake account. <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of like not a bunch, but I had yeah. a fake a fake account so that people could see like could not see like put things together. Um, and so and I was probably early on like hashtagging bisexual LGBT. Yes. And that kind of thing. So that's probably yeah. How I found it. So yeah. yeah. So I I it felt like it like dropped into my lap and just seeing you flourish has been such a beautiful part of my own experience being online. But I want to talk a little bit about how you got your start on the internet. Like what Mm. made you really spark that? And how has your account and the internet transformed over the past years since you started? I know it's so weird being us and our generation, you know, growing with the internet and, you know, being there through AOL and MySpace mm. and fucking Napster. And it's just oh my gosh. so quickly. It's wild. But um, I mean, like getting on Instagram, I was on there early on, but I had like a, um, what's it called? An Android. So I couldn't do like all the cute filters and shit. But yeah. I mean, before that, she had a blog. Ooh, um, I still, bloggy. it's, still up there. I'm not going to say what it is because it is literally so fucking cringe. I only go <laughs> back to read it to like see how far I've progressed, but it's, yeah. it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Um, that was when, you know, I was like 1920. I was 19, 20 years old, <laughs> not like 1920 the year. It was the 1920s. Um, it was the 1920s. <laughs> the you know, she, she moisturizes. That's yes. why I still look amazing. Collagen. <laughs> Collagen is great. But, um, yeah, so I was 19 and 20. I had a WordPress blog. And, yeah, I was, like, a fashion girly. And um, I don't even know what else I talked about. Music, fashion, all that shit. And then Instagram came. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll just take my blog to Instagram, basically. So, um, you know, before I made my Instagram what it was when you found it, it was just my personal Instagram. And I would just post, like, you know, fashion shit and yeah. um, music and artsy stuff. Um, when I started changing it to what it was, like making memes, talking about trauma and queerness and all that jazz, um, 
I did a like sensuality, spirituality course with this other amazing queer um, bruja, creator, artist, dancer, um, the list goes on there. Um, amazing. Che Che Luna. Um, oh. I give them a shout out on like every podcast that I do. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah, they're absolutely incredible. So their partner is Frankie Simone, who is um, a queer um, singer artist as well. Um, they are like my inspiration. I'm obsessed with them. And they're also oh. polyamorous and they live in Portland. So I love following both of them. It brings me so yeah. much joy. Um, and it's been really amazing to watch like Che Che evolve too, because I mean, they were pretty, they were pretty big when I found them. Um, and I was just obsessed watching them, um, dance. That's always something that I've been drawn to. I obviously, I do not dance. (laughs) I'm very (laughs) bad at dancing, but I have always been really drawn to like, if, if I watch people dance, I usually start crying. It's just a very emotional thing for me. Yeah, I and what so, that means in your chart, like where is I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna figure it out because now I'm like curious. Moon, I feel like oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I with a lot of art, I will just yeah. Most of the times that I cry, it's like over something that I just think is so beautiful. I'm rarely oh. crying because I'm like a sad girl. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just I just remember again. I don't know how I came across Che Che. Their profile just came up and I was like, who is this being? Like, they are just so free, unapologetically themselves. That is everything that I want to embody. And this is when I was like 24, 25, at the end of a very toxic relationship, the relationship that I had with the man who groomed me when I was 19. Um, And oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're, we're stronger. We're better, stronger now. Yes, we survive. absolutely. Um, so I definitely, again, once that frontal lobe came in, shit started clicking. <laughs> and About I was 25? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm miserable. I hate it here. This is not who I want to be. Um, and so, yeah, Che Che was promoting this course that was like, you know, get in touch with your sensuality and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sensuality, like, uh, (laughs) I don't even know what the fuck that is. I am so disconnected from my body and myself. Um, And I didn't really have a lot of money, but I was like, (laughs) take my money. I decided, I literally, in the moment that I found out about the course, I was like, sign up for it. Yes, yes, yes. And it was life-changing. It was everything that I fucking needed. Um, I found also another queer creator, um, Evian Whitney. Oh, yes. um, Yeah. Love that. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, And I did their sensual selfie challenge. um, And that was the first time that I had ever photographed myself and done sensual self-portraits for me. Not for the male gaze, not for men. Um, and that was so liberating. And those were, those are still some of the most favorite and cherished photos that I have of myself. Um, so it was just like that short period of time was so much transformation and, um, it was, it was just everything that I needed. Like, um, I got in touch with my body. I read books on, you know, masturbation and, that was something, again, going back to religious trauma, that was just yeah. so taboo. And yep. I had I had internalized so much shame about my sexuality and my body. Um, and like one of the um, exercises from Che Che, and this comes from uh, Betty Dodson, who is an amazing sex educator, is to masturbate in front of the mirror. Ooh. And I mean, I had never even like looked at my vulva ever. I had like that much shame about it. And so there were exercises like that. Masturbate in front of the mirror, um, masturbate, you know, with no porn, like just like seduce yourself. And I was like, I don't fucking know how to do this. Like it was really difficult for me. It was really difficult. Um, And then when I talked about like dancing and loving watching Che Che dance and, and being like, well, I can't do that. And she's like, you literally can. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. do it. Yeah. And so that was another exercise. I went to a dance class and um, again, like being a Capricorn, like sucking at something in front of people, I right. wanted to die. Yes. <laughs> also, the yes. dance instructor was a fucking smoke show. I'm like, I really oh. want to <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but like we did it. We did it. And other people in the class were also like not great. And I was like, this is this is fine. This is fine. Like other people are in the same place as me. Like this is great. This is totally good. And then it was just really fun. It ended up being like this really fun kind of like silly exercise. The instructor yeah. was amazing and was like, you guys like just have fun with it. Like stop trying to be perfect at it. And I'm my Capricorn brain. I'm like, I literally does not can't compute. compute. Yeah, can't compute. <laughs> like, just like fucking feel it. Like don't look at yourself, just feel it. And that was, that was really huge for me. Um, it really on a somatic level, body level started helping me really release a lot of trauma and a lot yeah. of like that internalization of having to be perfect all the time yeah. and like appear perfect. And like, why the fuck do I care so much about what other people think? And so that really helped me release a lot of that. And um, I also came to terms with the fact that obviously the relationship with my um, ex had definitely run its course and needed to end. Um, che Che basically gave me the motivation to figure out how to leave that relationship, which was incredibly difficult. Wow. I was so financially enmeshed with that person. Um, so that was a whole other thing. And literally within the span of about six months, I had like gotten the money to leave and move out and branch out on my own. I had my first like queer experiences during that oh, time. Wow. And yeah, it was really incredible. And then I also, that was pretty much the realization um, at that point that I was polyamorous because I'm leaving this long-term monogamous relationship. And for the right. first time in my life, had that moment to be like, do I want to do this again? Like, right. It, is this right for me? Obviously it would be different with a different person, but I really started questioning monogamy. And I do think that it's it's a domino effect for queer people yeah. because I'm questioning heteronormativity. Right. Of course, I'm going to question mononormativity. And is this working for me? And do I feel fulfilled in a monogamous relationship? And at that, at that point, I was like, well, not now. Like I want to explore and I want to, you know, date multiple people definitely. But like maybe I'll end up in monogamy down the road. And then now we're here. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Like absolutely not, yeah, absolutely definitely not. never again, never yeah, again. But, um, yeah, so Che uh, Che turned me on to like my first polyamory book, Opening Up, and yeah. and then it's been really amazing watching Che Che's um, polyamory uh, journey as well with Frankie. So yeah. it's just been this beautiful fucking experience, and I'm forever, forever grateful for them. I will oh. always give them a shout out. Everybody, go follow them, Che Che Luna yes. on Instagram. Yeah. I will add to the uh, description, the show notes. I will have yeah. all of the information there. Yes, yeah. I will. I will add that. That's so beautiful. I think one of the things that you touched on um, was the shame that comes with like mm -hmm. masturbation. And yeah. one of the things that you said is like actual like straight up like witch work, like masturbating mm -hmm. in front of the mirror. That's straight up like superpowers oh, yeah. like that will – transform and release and that is like some serious stuff mm -hmm. uh as you know someone with leo placements i'm like absolutely do that all the time all the time look oh, at yourself look at your that. pictures look at your own pictures like turn yourself yeah. on um but i love that you talked about like this idea of shame um because that's really like that has been <laughs> at the stop of every single one of my own journey of like, you know, as you were talking about questioning heteronormativity, that was a huge part of it is growing up in the church and just realizing that like, I was taught to be so ashamed of myself and my body and so ashamed of even like tying in being a black woman. I was so I was taught to be so ashamed of myself because of the way in which I grew up. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to touch on this idea of shame and religion. One of the things that you talked about um, years and years ago, OG followers know, OG followers yes. know that you had this series about this school you went to. And it's mm -hmm. like so creepy. I mean, it's Scorpio season, <laughs> but it was so creepy and eerie hearing you talk about yeah. this, this school and I you know, had post this video series again. Cause I bring love, it back. I love burning that shit down. I burn it down. 
or burn it down. In my lifetime, I would like to see that school not exist anymore. I would like to see the the Church of Scientology crumble, but I don't think it will because they have amassed so much fucking wealth. So much wealth. um, Yeah, it's really wild because they have all of these properties and they have all this wealth because they got tax exemption and they were buying up all these properties. But their actual like followers are dwindling so much. Like you go into the churches Uh, and there's like two people there. Like nobody's fucking there. That's eerie. That's so eerie. Talk about creepy. I mean, even when I was there going on course, this was in San Francisco in 2010. Um, it was still really, really quiet. So I can only imagine. I think that that church closed down, actually. I think it did during COVID. Oh, so that was, yeah, that would be a very, you know, small win. But um, yeah. Okay. So let me give, try, try to give the Cliff Notes version. So I was not raised in Scientology. My parents are not Scientologists. Um, but this was, I need people to like transport their minds back to the 90s. Um, yeah. Before Tom Cruise, before the internet, like, before we knew the things that we know about Scientology, um, you know, this was the 90s. I, I grew up in Sacramento and my mom got this job at this company and it just happened to be run and primarily staffed by people that were Scientologists. Um, again, on the ground level, Scientology seems very innocuous and that's how they get people in. Mm-hmm. And again, not everything is bad about it. I don't want to say everything is horrible. Um, A lot of that is because L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, basically just stole and like paraphrased the good parts of every other religion and then like acted like it was his fucking idea. He is a classic white man. Classic classic white man. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10 times they will have the audacity and he did. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of described Scientology as sci-fi evangelicalism. Um, it's every, it's like exactly what you would picture a white man from the fifties who created a cult. Like it's exactly Oof. what you would imagine that to be. <laughs> Creepy, so, spooky, um, Yes. Very, very spooky. But you don't know about like the cuckoo stuff until you've spent $500,000 to get up the bridge to total freedom. And that's why people have mental breakdowns because you get this like secret knowledge at that level. And it is like batshit fucking cuckoo, like this is the ramblings of somebody who was unwell. And that was Ellen oh. Hubbard at the end of his days. So, um, but the, but the introductory courses are all like communication, money management, like how to make your oh, marriage of better, you know, things like that. So you do an introductory quiz, which basically allows them to pinpoint your fucking weaknesses. And then they're like, we have a course for that. And we can help oh you with that. Oh, my God. And they lure you in. And the beginning courses are like $20, $30. So, you know, my mom did like a communication course. And, um, you know, she was like, it was fine. Like, it didn't, you know, change my life, but it was fine. Um, so to her, she was like, yeah, it's it's whatever. Like, live and let live. Like, religious freedom, if this is working for you, it's working for you. And um, she started making friends at that job, obviously. Um And it just so happened that quite a few of her friends at that job had kids my age. So before I knew it, probably about 90% of my friends were Scientologists. And um, I never felt like at a young, young age really ostracized or weird because I wasn't a Scientologist. That was only once I got up to the school. So my childhood up until I was 10 in Sacramento, I think was pretty pretty nice, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a lot of early trauma. I actually have memories of my childhood from that time. Um, And then my mom's friend, um, her son started going to this, you know, not, they don't call it a Scientology school, Mm -hmm. but um, it uses all of L. Ron Hubbard's teachings. And again, 90 plus percent of the people that are there are Scientologists. Um, And she was like, well, Skylar should go there. Like all her friends are there. I think she would do really well there. And I did. Again, I was a very introverted child, highly sensitive. I was not doing well in public school. I had severe social anxiety. So this school was very good for me. It was go at your own pace. And that is Mm -hmm. how I learned. Like leave the fuck alone. Like let me learn. If I need help, I will come to you. That was very much my vibe. And that's what the school was. So I thrived in that environment. And of course, you know, I'm a straight A student, Capricorn vibes, like yeah. living <laughs> academic validation. Yeah. 
And, um, but then that school closed when I was like 10. And my mom was kind of like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I can't send her back to a public school. Like that was a shit show. So the big version of that school that I was at, like the mother school was in Oregon in this really tiny town. And so I went up there for a summer and I did really, really well and I impressed everyone (laughs) and I got offered a full scholarship. Not a full, but but basically a very hefty scholarship because it was very expensive. My family was poor. And Mm. um, yeah, so they offered me a scholarship. And it is a boarding school. I would say about 70, uh, 75% of the kids that went there boarded. They also had a ESL program, English as a second language. So we had a lot of exchange students from Korea, Taiwan, um, mainly Korea, Taiwan, and Japan. Um, and I bonded with the exchange students so much. Yeah. I just loved them because, you know, they weren't Scientologists and to right. them, I was seen as just a human being. So that was really nice. Um, and at one point I definitely spoke like conversational Korean, which was cool. Oh, but I forgot wow. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. I mean, if you hang out with people enough, you pick it up, but that's they fair. Were so friendly. They were so friendly. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, so oh, where did I? move off. So yeah, I ended up going to the school starting when I was 10. But my mom was like, I don't want you to board up there. I'm not going to send my 10 year old daughter up there to board. Yeah. So they sold their house in California and we moved up to Oregon. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I had fun times that summer. But once I started actually going to school there is when um, it became very apparent to me that I did not fit in. I didn't feel welcome. Um, Obviously, I stood out. It was a tiny school, too. So you know everybody and you know when there's a new person there. Um, I didn't fit in looks wise because we were poor. And, um, you know, like Tom Cruise's kids went to my fucking school. Lisa Marie Presley's kids went to my school. Oh, Um, yeah, that's so wild. literally famous people's kids go to my school. There was so much wealth at that school. And I'm there with my like thrifted clothes. This was before thrifting was cool, guys. Like I had to go to thrift <laughs> because we were fucking poor. Same, and big, I same. Stood, stood out, you know, and then people just assumed that I was a Scientologist and they would be talking and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Right. And they would be like, oh, you're a Scientologist. You're not a Scientologist. And I'm like, no. And so then literally, again, height of Harry Potter, people were like calling me a muggle. What? Because I wasn't a Scientologist. That's wild. I remember being in this drama class and then like this kid saying that to me and I just fucking broke down crying. And I went home to my mom and was just like, I don't like it here. I don't feel like I belong here. Like this is not good. And, you know, I don't know. I, I have a lot of feelings about how my mom handled that, but it was yeah. very much like, how dare you? Like, you're so ungrateful. Like we did all of this for you. We've sacrificed for you to be here. Mm. And so it just became apparent to me that I'm not going to be heard by my parents. I, what other option do I have than to just fucking make this work? Yeah. And again, major Capricorn vibes. I'm like, I'm going to just slay this environment then. Like, we're going to just make it fucking work. And I will do whatever it has to take, whatever I have to take to fit in and to thrive in this environment. And I did. I did. We pretended to be straight. We got straight and everything. I did every fucking thing. I was on sports teams. I did, you know, acting. I did everything because I needed, I had to be better than everyone else. Yeah. I had to. I mediocrity and failing was absolutely not an option. Mediocrity no option, was yeah. not an option either. So I had to be just as good, if not better, than everyone else in order to be accepted by That's the so, staff and the other students. As you say that, it's so wild to hear you say that because I literally went through a very similar experience. I went to a prep school in Pennsylvania that was all founded on this idea of saving yourself until marriage. It was like these like these yeah, wackamamie people. Yeah, purity culture, but like these mm-hmm. wackamamie people that were just like, oh, we just want to start a school for teens to help them stay pure until marriage. And they did because they were, Ugh. you know, generational wealth gets you to 
find right. institutions and like have tax exemptions and like their money was you know funny to me about that is like let's get a bunch of horny teenagers together right. and like tell them not to do not something to have sex. yes exactly and then, and, then, and then let's make them feel shamed for it like it's just it's wild and this idea like you said like i was the me and my sister were the first black girls to ever go to this school so we had right. to be above the bar above the bar like mm-hmm. mediocrity was not an option it never was an option like maybe if we were like black boys we could kind of be like mid but But that that was just not an option exactly yep it was just not a choice so it's so interesting to hear you talk and be like oh yeah like I had to fit in I had to try to fit in I had to try to be the best and make it work and I tried and I tried to make it work and I like really tried to like play the straight girl role (laughs) really hard I mean I tried so hard Oh if I could show pictures of me in my like head to toe Hollister. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. Me cosplaying straight girl with my flats and my freaking like business casual my 2000s. Ugliness. Oh, I wish I could afford out boots. Like I was just. Oh, that was my like one expensive Christmas gift Ooh, that year. Ooh, Uggs. Finally. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I wish I, I wish I could get me some Uggs. I still kind of low key want to get Uggs just as a child. No, I'm like. Like literally, I've thought about it. I have UGG slippers now, but ooh, I kind of want to yes. get the, the iconic. Literally, my style now and everything is like for fifteen year old me. It's yeah. everything that fifteen year old me wanted. So I'm like, I yeah, I maybe boot. we do need <laughs> some some UGGs, some UGGs, some cute UGGs. <laughs> So, yeah. like, transitioning into how this school affected your queer journey, because I'm mm-hmm. sure, like, that you don't just go into those situations. You don't go into situations particularly where you have to mask who you mm-hmm. are and your identity without it leaving some, like, external, like, damage. So how has that school and growing up in this sort of pseudo-religious environment, how has that affected your queer journey? Yeah. Oh my God. It was like, I definitely knew I was queer from like age six. Like my earliest fucking memories are gay as fuck. Like yeah. <laughs> super gay. And I definitely remember like crying to my mom, probably like seven or eight. And I didn't really know what queerness was. I just knew that I was different and yeah. I didn't know what was going on. And I was in love with my best friend, but she yeah. was so really mean to me. But like oh, no, a lot of that's also, adding up because I'm like yeah. the kids that I have now. Yeah, I'm like, it's like, oh. actually, I kind of like that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I feel that heavy, 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 heavy. Oh, I'm telling on oh, myself. Samantha, she was so mean to me. But yeah, I loved it. I lived for it. I, I feel like everybody like, needs a mean Samantha. Like Yes, I was literally like her little like, you know, psychic. I would do anything for her. And Aww. she was just like, you know, not nice to me at all. <laughs> there was one one slumber party where um it was like Gosh, out of a slumber party. Like they 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 did the like hot water thing with me to like try and get oh, me to pee my pants. To pee your pants, yeah. Yeah, and it was just so mean and I was the irony of this is not lost on me. I mm-hmm. ran upstairs to her parents' closet. They weren't home or I don't know where the fuck they were. And I was crying in their Aww. closet for like oh, you were hours. In the closet. I was in the closet for crying. hours. Oh my God. Yeah, and they're all like looking for me. And so I snuck and like found the phone and called and my mom had to come pick me up and it was really embarrassing. But, um, oh my God, I'm <laughs> Trauma. Sorry, so sidetracked. But what did I Religious say? trauma. How has that affected you? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, besides the like sexual shame and there, there's still like a lot of internalized homophobia, absolutely, that I'm, that I'm unlearning and just that heteronormativity too of, um, there were probably one or two, um, visibly queer people there when I went there. And I remember being 10 and it's so funny how queer people can just sense each other. And I remember... Okay, there were more than that. There were probably five. It's so wild that I can see them so vividly. And like a lot of my childhood is a blur, but the queer people, like the queer people that I gravitated towards as like safe havens where I was like, I feel safe with you. Yeah. Um, they're so vivid in my memory and I, I have reconnected with one or two of them who did come out as queer. So I'm like, oh, the instinct was that. right. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know. There was just, but I saw how they were treated differently. 
And I was like, I cannot go through that on top of every other thing that I'm going through. Like, no. So I definitely, you know, internalized a lot of that um, heteronormativity and uh, just needing to look a certain way, act a certain way. Um, And then just like patriarchal shit, you know, how women are supposed to act. There was absolutely that double standard of, um, you know, boys got this free pass to be like sexual and loud and rambunctious and slacking off and all of the shit. And that was never allowed for girls ever. Yep. And so yep. I remember seeing this double standard and being like, what the fuck? Um, and I got, I remember getting so jealous and angry of my boyfriend who both of my high school boyfriends, I, I don't want to say I didn't love them, but it was very calculated <laughs> Yeah. It was very calculated. I chose them for a reason. Yeah. They were popular. They were cute. Um, and I knew what that would do for me. That would be good for me and my mm-hmm. image and make me more safe. Um, but I just saw the shit that they would get away with and it made me so fucking angry. Um, and it's so funny that I like actually just instead of, I don't know, realizing like this whole thing is fucked up. I just became like more and more of a pick me girl and like oh. more and more of the misogyny. I and feel that. I, I was I was very much like I can't like hang out with girls. Like you guys are just yep. too much drama. Instead yep. of being like I'm so fucking gay that I don't yeah. know how to interact with interact you with you exactly. Oh my gosh, I said so that. All of my friends were boys. Yeah. Oh, I just can't. You guys have too much drama. Like most of my friends were boys. Or the girlfriends that I did choose, I was not attracted to them and knew that there was no danger of any feelings ever happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I don't feel like I'm answering your question. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. no. I I like this uh, Piscean energy of like going off. I I love it. Yeah, I love – no, no, no. I love it because it it just like puts a lot of things into perspective. Um, And yeah, it just puts so much in perspective. And also it just resonates so hard. I just feel like for – especially for me as well, I I felt this feeling of just – I just always felt like – I was very much a pick me and what's so wild is like I did the opposite. So I wasn't really like, oh, like I was so scared to be friends with guys and I wanted to be friends with girls and I was, but then I would get in these really confusing relationships that were so, yeah, (laughs) they were just so much. And I was just like, what do I do with this information? And why am I so passionate about this friendship? More passionate than any crush I've ever had ever, um, on a guy. Um, so it's just like so interesting how, it's just interesting how queer, like childhood sort of like it's like this beautiful like river and we're all trying to like figure it out. And mm-hmm. um, I love that we're both pick me's, but in different ways, but <laughs> in different ways. Yeah. But in different ways. Yeah, I still, I talking about like, I don't know if that is specific to my queer journey, but religious trauma that I still see manifesting in myself is, is that kind of pick me energy um, still find myself like craving male validation. Yeah. Um, still find myself, um, really bowing to a- authority figures. And it's very difficult for me to stand up to um, authority figures and hold my own. Yeah, um, That's so ingrained in me to just bow down and just yeah. minimize, minimize yourself. Just say yes. Just or blindly follow. Yeah. Blindly just be like, follow. oh, you're the authority. I need to follow what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do that. And then there's this wave of just ick and disgust afterwards where I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like yep. that was not an authentic reaction. It's literally just trauma. Trauma. It's your yeah. Trauma, trauma response. response. Yeah. And then it's not until sometimes days, weeks later when I'm like, why did I do that? That, that right. made me feel so gross. I should have stood up for myself. I should have, you know, could have, should have, would have. And so yep. you have to let go of that shame. And again, therapy helps me with that to, to kind of talk through that and be like, but you you did realize that this is growth. You realize right. that, that was not an authentic reaction. And then every time you're presented with a new situation is an opportunity to like try and assert a boundary and try and speak up. And if you can't, then you need to just, you know, love yourself and just say like, okay, we're not there yet. Yeah. Next time. 
and Next show yourself some, some compassion. Yeah. And yeah. definitely. Oh, I love that. I think that's yeah. really, really, really beautiful growth. I love that so much. Um, I want to get into bisexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, the fun stuff, the fun stuff. Yes. So you talked about your queer journey. Um, <laughs> and what advice would you give to a baby bisexual, baby gay, kind of kind of coming out of like religious trauma or coming into themselves, trying to understand who they are? What would what would you give to them? Um, I would just say you are so fucking lucky to be doing that at this point in time. Yes. <laughs> like you have the internet, which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, you know, if you can find your niche on the internet, it is so fucking beautiful and validating. And you can find this online community. If you live in a place where there isn't gay bars, there aren't, there isn't a huge queer community. Um, You know, you have Reddit, Twitter, um, Instagram, all of these other avenues to um, find this queer community online. And COVID was kind of, you know, again, obviously awful, but brought a lot of things online too. Like I've been doing, you know, Shibari workshops online. And so meeting like queer kinky people that way. And it's it's virtual, but you know, I'm still meeting them and it's in San Francisco, so I can eventually meet them. Um, So that's what I would say is to um, really, if you are in a certain situation Find other people in that situation. If you are a married um, by woman, married to a man, and you don't feel validated in your queerness in that way, find other people like that. And yeah. so that way it validates your experience and you don't feel alone. Um, but especially for people in that environment or in that situation, that was me when I um, first came out and was definitely kind of shoved back into the closet because people are like, you know, no, you're not queer, you're married to a man. Um, I would just really encourage you to give as little fucks as possible. You are queer and assert that fucking queerness. You deserve to be in this community. You deserve to be here and you are queer. So um, just show the fuck up. Like, I know that it's so hard to um, get past that kind of like imposter syndrome of I'm not queer enough. You are queer enough. You just need to show up, get in community with queer people, and then you will feel more queer and just keep doing it. (laughs) But if you keep like being scared of it and like validating that feeling of, oh, I'm not queer enough, I'm not queer enough, then that's going to be true. We have to push ourselves. And that's that's what I did. My best friend did drag. I started like meeting more queer people, getting involved in the queer community. And that is what gave me the motivation to really come out and be visible, be seen, and be proud. I love. I love that answer. It's so juicy and delicious. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, give less fucks and give be more less queer. fucks. Yes. <laughs> give yes. less fucks and be le- be more queer. I love that so much. That should be a shirt. No, we need that on a shirt. Yeah. We need that as merch immediately. Immediately. Okay. I'll work I on love it. it. Okay. Cool. I love this. I love this idea. Um. And just to close off. What is bringing you by joy? I think we we mm. spend so much of our time, or maybe not we, but I've found that in community sometimes we spend so much time thinking about the 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 hard parts of queerness, which is valid and, and and important. But I also think there's so much beauty in being by. There's there so <laughs> much beauty even in the little things like your room is beautiful like that like room decor like there's so many little pockets of queerness that are so beautiful and I feel like we don't talk about by joy enough so what's bringing you by joy um the thing that comes to my mind now that I'm like obsessed with is Miss Puerto Rico and Miss Argentina the (gasps) fact that they just like yes so obsessed obviously like I identify as femme for femme I mean anybody is fair game but there is something so precious and sacred to me about sharing queer femininity with another human being so um I love femmes I always gravitate towards femmes regardless of gender just femininity is what I'm attracted to um and so to see two femmes like just be so in love visibly and unapologetically like I was crying I was I've been watching like fan edits of them and I'm just so fucking obsessed I can't 
I love that. Oh, I love that yeah. so, so hard. That's bringing yeah. me queer joy. And it's like, it's hard. I mean, there's, I'm so tired of the discourse of like, okay, you're a femme for femme. You have so much representation. Literally huh? the representation Here. that we get is like so male gazy and yeah. not queer at all. Exactly. So like, yes, we're represented, but I don't feel like it's authentic at all. It's it feels good really representation. Fetishy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So to see like authentic, real femme for femme representation, it gives me hope that I can, you know, have that for myself one day and helps me kind of break down, I guess, that internalized I don't know, whatever, homophobia, heteronormativity, bullshit, where I'm like, oh, I'll never, another femme would never be attracted to me when I'm right. like, what the fuck? Like, what is I'm that? a femme who's attracted to femme, yes. so like, obviously, I'm disproving that. Exactly. <laughs> By literally just existing. Exactly. Literally existing. Exactly. But sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. It's no. So you're not the only one. other people. Yes. Thanks. Yes. Thanks. Yes. So yeah, we're, that's, that's we're out here. Oh, I love that. I love that so, so, so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we did not touch on? I mean, we talked about so many things. It feels like five minutes, but it has been like an hour. Um, we knew this was going to happen. We, we knew this. We are, I know. I was like, we could talk about this for literally three hours. I think like the main thing, like just queers that grew up with religious trauma, obviously we know that we're not alone, but I hope that it gives people courage to like talk about it. And yeah. um, so many of us have had similar experiences yeah. and, you know, we all came out and survived. And I think that that's fucking beautiful. So let's keep talking about it as long yeah. as it feels good. Like I'm not going to force you to talk about it, yeah. but <laughs> you know, there should be no shame in talking about it and it helps us find each other and heal. And I think that yeah. that's really beautiful. Yeah. I definitely think that you were like put on this planet to, to be a like energy worker healer. I think a lot of your work that you do is so incredibly healing. And, you know, just knowing so like some snippets of your story of knowing like you were put in positions in your childhood where you had to be the healer all the time, which is so unfortunate. But I also think that there's so much beauty in what you do. And so I'm just – I'm so grateful for your energy. I'm so grateful for you being here on Hot by Summer. I'm so grateful for you – just you existing. Thank you for being here and showing up and, and doing the hard work of challenging people because it's not, it's not easy. I'm sure you get Thank lots you. of – Lots of feedback for that, but my feedback today is that your your energy is so important, and I and I love you. I love you so much. I love you too. Yes. The one thing that I do want to actually add, and this could be like kind of emo, but it's something that I've that's been coming up for me. Yeah. Um, and I just feel called to share again, talking about like religious trauma and things that I've internalized is um, like shame around joy. I don't Ooh. know if you do. Say it. And- say it. Speak on it. <laughs> Um, and again, I think that that's very like Capricorn energy too. Um, I was telling my therapist, it's so hard for me to be silly, to be goofy, Mm. to have fun, to just like, I feel like there is a weight, a cloud on me and it's different than like a depression. It's like, it feels more like a cage actually. Yes. Um, and I do love sharing with people and I love that my experience has made people feel less alone. But there came a certain point like last year where I was like, I'm actually so fucking tired of talking about my trauma and letting that define myself. I'm ready to actually start enjoying my life. Yes. And feeling happy and feeling joyful. But then every time I try and start doing that, it's like, this feels so foreign. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to let myself feel this because yes. it was always shamed. It was always linked to this is not safe. You know, anytime I was trying to have fun or do something, it was instantly you were smacked in line. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Um, and so, yeah, I just want to let people know, like, that's something that I really fucking struggle with. I don't know if anyone else does, but I want to share that and let you know, like, you're not alone. I'm really working on just letting myself be happy and joyful and allow levity and lightness in my life. And it is not easy. Oh, I, that is so incredibly beautiful. I have a quote on my wall. Um, from I believe their name is Alok, Alok Manon. Oh, 
Yes. I saw them um, perform in San Francisco. Oh my God, that ago. that is iconic. But they said yeah. on a podcast once, and I just like, it really just shook me. Um, it They said, shame is joy interrupted. And I literally had I to write that. that down and post everything it on my they wall. Everything say is literally gold. I'm like trying to yeah. write down everything they say. Exactly, exactly. And it's so interesting how we 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 look at sort of um, this act of of religion and how they constantly, even like growing up as a woman, like constantly this idea that like you have to be shamed out of doing these certain things, shamed out of expression, shamed out of Mm -hmm. being who you truly are. And I love that they said shame is joy interrupted because yeah. And isn't it the most revolutionary act? Queer joy is revolutionary. Absolutely. So I know that I need to keep pushing myself to do yes. this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it is literally what is going to inspire other people to do the same thing. And that is what is going to inspire actual change in the world. So we have to keep pushing ourselves. But but it is so hard because, you know, I'll feel that intuitive pull to like act a certain way or do something. You know, like I'll just be at home and be like, I want to do my makeup. I want to do fun, like something fun. Yep. And then there's that moment where you're like, what's the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? Right. That's that voice coming that in. And voice. it's like, there doesn't need to be a reason. You can do things just because they're fun, just yep. because they feel good. Yes. Like that's it. You yes. don't need a reason. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think that's just a beautiful note to end on. It's just like yes. queer joy. Go for, have fun. Yeah. Go just do have something fun. that makes you feel happy. And yeah, fulfilled. just because. Just because. Just just for the fuck of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on Hot by Summer. I love you thank so you much. Of course. Too. Of course. All right. Bye. Love everybody. Bye. Bye. bye, bye. bye.